Welcome to Photo Mission Focus, Discussing Photography, a podcast all about the things that we love about photography. This is Focus on Rotation, where I have different hosts joining me at the desk as we share and learn each week. Come and enjoy this week's episode with us. Welcome to Photo Mission Focus Discussing Photography. Hi, I'm Steve Finkel. On this episode of Photo Mission Focus, I'm flying solo. We're kind of now into first part of the of the new year where kind of things are still kind of, I suppose, challenging for a lot of people in different areas. Today, I thought we might talk about on this episode is talk about long exposure photography and, you know, a little bit dive into that subject of long exposure photography and some of the techniques you can employ using long um, exposure photography and some of the results you can actually get. A lot of people will be familiar with long exposure. That's where obviously the shutter's open for a very long time and quite often action in front of the camera will be moving so it'll actually produce some interesting results. So we see some, you know, the classic um, car headlight trails, the light trails where, you know, the cars have gone past and the shutter's been open enough to allow the the car from go to one end of the frame to the other end of the frame so you've got this nice streaks of light like the white from the headlights the red from the tail lights um sometimes you know a flash of amber in there as well from the indicators but you know and this can be employed to do a number of different types of photography so for people who may be new to photography or haven't really dabbled or maybe they've done you've been you know photographing for a while but you really haven't done much in the space of doing some long exposure Long exposure photography is unique in the fact that you can actually stretch time. So basically, you know, you, you're taking an, you're ending up with a single file, but you're actually stretching time because there's all the things that are happening in front of the camera and you're capturing it in a single frame. And that, that can produce some really interesting results. It's also a technique you can actually use to remove people from a scene. So if you're shooting, say, for argument's sake, in a an area where there's people moving around and you were trying to get something where there wasn't really too many people. If people, if you're using a long exposure and there's people moving, quite often they'll walk through the frame but they won't actually be exposed on the frame. So it's a technique that's great to play with where you can, if you want to set it up and try this for yourself, is set your camera up in your living room or garage or wherever and, you know, do a 30-second, um, work out what the exposure needs to be to... Uh, correctly exposed for 30 seconds so that's typically you might going to have you're going to have a very very high f22 or something um, on your aperture and to get a 30 second exposure so it doesn't um, blow it out so it's not exposed and simply just walk backwards and forwards in front of the camera and what you'll notice is um, depending on the color clothes you're wearing too if you're wearing something for reflective you might get a little bit of streaking happening but you'll be surprised that you can walk right through that frame and out the other side and then when you look at the um, captured image that you're not actually in there and this technique quite often when you do light painting you're in the scene but you're you're constantly moving if you wear dark clothes and you just keep walking through the frame and even you know make sure you're still moving before the the shutter actually um, closes then you you're actually going to be not visible in the end product so it's quite a good technique, like I said, using long exposure to minimise people in a frame, and people do this all the time sometimes. So, and, and look, sometimes 
there's some necessary things you can try with using filters, like using a neutral density filter, because, say, during the day you want to try and, you know, um, remove people from a particular area, but even when you're shooting at those very, you know, long exposure, you know, F22, you still may be finding that you're still getting too much light into the camera um, for 30 seconds because it's going to be the exposure time that's going to actually make or break your exposure there because obviously shutters open for such a long time. So by putting a neutral density filter in the front of the camera, you can reduce again, like it's removing stops of light. And you'll notice on neutral density filters, they'll actually have a number on there. So it might be like an eight stop neutral density filter. So it's like adding an extra eight stops to your aperture. And again, this is a, a technique, like I said, that can be used to create some very interesting images and you can use it like for creative photography. So just don't think about the long exposure just purely for night because a lot of people, you know, you see the waterfall, classic waterfalls where the water's gushing over the waterfall and it's all, um, you know, creamy and milky and flowing because um, the shutter's been open long enough that the water has been constantly moving. So it's exposing it in such a way where it's capturing that movement and you get that nice white, silky looking water. So if you've seen those pictures of waterfalls and you just wondered, you know, what was the technique, it's simply just basically having the shutter open long enough to create that effect. So sometimes, like I said, you know, because most of those are daylight scenes, so quite often that's achieved by using a neutral density filter on the front of the camera. Again, all the neutral density filter is, is like putting on a really, really dark pair of sunglasses it just reduces the amount of light that can actually get through just as sunglasses can re dark sunglasses can reduce the amount of bright light getting to your eyes a neutral density filter can reduce the amount of light actually getting onto the sensor of the camera so like again it's a valuable tool like i said if you want to start experimenting and playing with long exposure having access to something like a neutral density filter is not a bad thing to do because like i said it, you can experiment during the day i mean a lot of people will experience with long exposures is typically nighttime scenes in the intro we talked about light trails and you know the classic one is the camera on the tripod very long exposure set up next to a roadway where cars are driving past and you're actually capturing the images of the the lights are leaving light trails on your image the cars aren't actually visible it's the same principle of people walking through the frame the light shot because they're very very bright where the cars aren't really reflecting very much light at all, and that's why the cars actually disappear, but you actually just see the headlights and tail lights and those types of things. So this can also work well too on things like if you're near a river and there's ferries or other types of river craft going up and down at night with their navigation lights and things on that you can get some interesting effects of moving, you know, watching that. And again always a bit harder because on a roadway it's you know you might have a 30 second exposure window cars are moving quite quickly so a lot of cars can actually move through your frame in 30 seconds if you're kind of doing boats on the water then they're not going to be moving quite that that quickly so sometimes it, you know, if you want to try and get it the, the, from one end of the image to the other right through the frame you might have to kind of zoom the image in so anticipating how far that craft will travel in that 30 second exposure time so you actually get it within the frame so the like i said the long long exposure is, is a great technique and it's also something you know, like i said you can play with and learn particularly if you want to start doing light painting light painting is basic the basics of light painting is long exposure photography 
because obviously you're moving a light source around and you're getting you're creating light trails, a bit like the car light trails, but they're going to move in a a very predictable pattern because the cars are parallel to the road, so you know exactly what you're going to get. Interesting, sometimes when there's an intersection and cars are turning, so you've got the, the lights doing the the kind of turn and going around around the corner. That's always creates an interesting effect rather than just having straight straight lines. So with light painting, like I said, people are moving the, you're moving the lights around to create different shapes, or or you might be you know light painting the outline of something. Um, so you're you know basically capturing that on the on the image. So what do you basically need? Well, for most times you're going to need a really good tripod, and probably tripods are one of those things that can make a big difference to your photography. Have, only a good tripod is is one of the best investments you can make in owning a camera these days because tripod's going to it's going to as you build your skills up and maybe as you upgrade your equipment. Your tripod can be a constant, like it can be used over and over again with many different cameras and you might shoot with different platforms and different cameras you're going to find that your one tripod's going to fit all those cameras are going to be able to go onto that whether you know, you're shooting with a GoPro or you're shooting with a DSLR or a mirrorless or you're shooting with a video camera. You know, the tripod is something that is a stable. So I always say to people, when you can, when you're shopping for a tripod, Try and spend as much as you can afford on a tripod. Try and get the the best possible tripod for what your budget will allow you because, like I said, you're not going to rush out and replace your tripod each time you replace your camera. You're just going to keep using it. So it's good to have that, like I said, a tripod that actually is sturdy and um, dependable and easy to use because the other thing too is like when you're adjusting a tripod, quite often if you're doing long exposures, and it's at night time, it's in the dark, so you want to kind of have everything really easy and accessible that you can basically adjust the height and lock it in position. So the preset is that you need to have that really good tripod and obviously you... And the other tip I say, look, when you're buying a tripod, a lot of places sometimes you can order an extra adapter where which connects the camera to the actual tripod. You know, a lot of tripods will just come with one. The better ones typically come with two connectors. number of times that people have left it attached to another lens that they didn't take because, you know, bigger telephoto lenses, you actually attach the lens to the tripod and the camera hangs off the, the lens. And if you're using, say, a wide-angle lens, it's going to be... the camera's going to be on the tripod and the lens is going to be on the camera. So it's quite easy sometimes for people to leave their adapter onto a telephoto lens that they were shooting the moon or some other th object previously the night before and then they grab the, their tripod and thinking I'm going to go and do some light trails in the city and then get in there and find that they don't have any way to connect the camera to the actual tripod. So I always suggest that people purchase a couple of different adapters that, that at least that way then, I mean I've got for all my tripods I've got multiple different ones and some of my telephoto lens I just leave I'll leave the, the, the uh, adapter on the actual lens so if I want to use it, I'm not even looking for it. So that's a little tip there. Purchase some extra little adapters to hold your tripod. I remember years and years ago I was shooting a supermoon and um, got down to the location and there was a number of photographers and there was a girl there who was really excited. She was going to shoot supermoon and do some long exposures only to realise that when she, in a haste of getting out of the house, she grabbed a tripod, she grabbed a camera, but she didn't have any way to connect it. So she basically had, a, you know, couldn't do the type of exposures that all, all the types of shots that she was hoping to do. 
So, yeah, again, just a little tip there to, to keep it in the back of your mind. One of the other things about long exposures with, is interesting that quite often cameras will have a, a setting in there which is a, a long exposure compensation setting and sometimes people, it's turned on and people aren't aware it's turned on and they'll take a 30-second exposure and they, so they take the exposure and they go, that 30 seconds, and then, but the camera's still not available to take another shot yet because it's still doing something. And I get that question quite often when I'm teaching photography. People ask, well, was, you know, this is doing this. Why is it doing that? And quite often, like I said, the camera will be turned on to um, long exposure um, compensation. And what it does is it actually looks at things like when the, um, when the sensor is on for a very long time, you have the, the possibility of pixels heating up on the sensor. So you're going to end up what they call hot pixels. And some cameras will actually, what they'll do is, so you'll take your 30 second exposure and then the camera will turn on for 30 seconds with the, sh with the actual shutter closed, um, but the sensor's on and it records what the sensor sees. So if there's hot pixels um, on the sensor, and then it tries in the camera, it removes, tries to remove some of that stuff. So the, the end image that you get is a cleaner image but it does slow your shooting down that um, some, and look, some cameras, some of the older cameras, you really needed to do, if you, if, and if you do own an older camera and you're finding that when you're doing some long exposures, you're actually finding um, that you're getting a lot of hot pixels, like these little bright spectral highlights on the image in areas maybe where there's not any other light. It could be normally, should be black, but you're seeing typically sometimes they'll look red or some can be different different shades of, of that. But so... That's what it is. It's it's a hot pixel. So basically, um, like I said, there's a settings in lots of cameras. So it's good to learn a little bit of study about that and understand where that is in your camera and whether you may need to turn it on. Or, or and you can try both. Obviously, you can shoot without it on, and you can shoot with it on, and just compare the results and see which which ones you're happier with. And like I said, I know some people have said to me if they're older DSLRs, they've found that when they're doing long exposures, they need to use that um, that mode because it just basically the image is, you know, um, not clean because it's got too many hot pixels in it. So tripod is one thing, having a really good tripod, understanding your camera settings when it comes to um, shooting long exposures, like understanding what's available to you in the camera. That's always important and that's always going to be found by reading your manual. Quite often when you're shooting long exposure, um, it's going to be manual everything. So you're going to have the camera in manual mode, you're going to be selecting the the aperture, you're going to be selecting the ISO, you're going to be selecting the shutter speed. And that's, um, for a lot of people, that can be a little bit daunting at first because they're trying to think, well, what do I do? And the best thing to do is, is, is to experiment and to find out, like I said, start with, say, so you're trying to do car headlights. Then maybe it's a very dark scene, so you might try it at F22 at 30 seconds at ISO 100 and still find that there's sometimes there might be parts of the image that are still underexposed, they're not exposed enough for you, or there could be parts of the image that are overexposed. Now you can, you can obviously look at how you can actually get around those things. So typically if you're shooting, like I said, with those settings of say F22, ISO 100 and 30 seconds, and it's and parts of the image are overexposed, unless you put a neutral density filter in it to reduce like 
the amount of light coming in the camera, especially if your lens doesn't go above f22, if that's you maxed everything out, and if your ISO doesn't go any lower than 100, your only option available to you at that point is to drop the length time of the exposure. So basically, instead of exposing it for 30 seconds, you may try 25 seconds. And by dropping back 25 seconds, you might find that's enough to correct it. You might find that's enough to correct the exposure to get to where you want to be. If you're getting to that point, nothing's really blown out, but it's still underexposed, then you've got the option, obviously, then to drop down to f16 or f11 and let more light in that way for in this 30-second window. So basically, it's always going to be about playing with the exposure triangle to get the settings so you let enough light into the sensor to get the results that you're chasing. And when we talk about settings, quite often with a lot of cameras, 30 seconds is typically the, the maximum time. A lot of cameras will let you have the shutter open for, um, but sometimes you need to have the shutter open for a longer period. So camera manufacturers have offered that there's, there's a solution to that. So some people have actually seen on the camera might be a setting called B or bulb mode. And bulb mode allows you to have the shutter open for as long as your finger's on the shutter. So basically, with bulb mode, it could be anything from, depending how quick you press the shutter, to, to how long you hold it in for, you could create a very long exposure. Now, sometimes it's not practical, say, you know, quite often with long exposure um, photography, which is quite often used for things like star trails. So people, you know, when they set up the camera, and you're looking into the into the sky and you want to try and catch the stars moving, you're not going to get that in 30 seconds. You are going to get some, depending on the field of view of your lens, how much movement will actually be evident in 30 seconds, but not the result that you want. way around it, like I said, is using bulb mode. And one of the tricks of bulb mode is if you can buy yourself a cable release button, a button that allows you to fire the trigger, of the, of the camera, like push the shutter down by pressing a remote button. Quite often they have a bulb setting on there, so basically when you press it once, it just holds the shutter until you press it again to release the shutter. So it mimics what the shutter's doing, like you're putting your finger on the shutter and you're holding it down and then releasing it. You can do that with a remote. The beauty about that is you're not holding your finger on the, on the button because one of the dangers of doing that is that you'll inadvertently move the camera during the exposure and, and you're actually going to have some... Uh, camera movement which probably won't be your intention to have that there now the other part of being in that full manual mode is quite often at night time you can't use autofocus you're going to have your autofocus off and typically you're going to point find a point that you're going to focus on and you're going to then focus on that and then switch it to manual focus so the focusing actually stays at that point now at this point, it's really easy, and I've seen people do this where they've done that. They've got their, they've, they've set their focus point. They've got that. They've then gone and um, you know been playing with uh, different different settings, um, only then to maybe change the field of view, but accidentally bumping the focus or changing the focus. So you just be mindful if you change the view, you may have to refocus. Or the other thing is once you kind of got your focus set just try and keep your hands off the lens because it is easy to bump it off and then obviously if your focus is off it's not going to give you the results that you're chasing and you're obviously going to be kind of not happy so 
like I said, it's, it takes a bit of discipline doing um, long exposure because, like I said, the other thing too is where you place the tripod is quite important because if you bump the tripod during a long exposure, again, you're going to have some intended camera movement that you don't want in there, uh, an unintentional camera movement that you don't want, not intended. Um, you're going to want to, like I said, have the tripod in a way. So you kind of, and quite often, like I said, if you are working, it's outside and it's dark and that type of stuff, you're just mindful where everything is. The other trick too is when you're shooting long exposures, people may not realise that quite often on tripods in the centre uh, column, there's a spring-loaded clip, like a piece you can pull down that's got a spring in it and you go, I don't know what that's for. What it's to do is to help anchor down the tripod. So basically what you can do is I quite often will clip my camera bag to it, which has still got gear in it, to the centre. So it's actually pulling down on the centre, which just makes the tripod a little bit more stable. Um, and again, because obviously when you've got the shutter open for a very long time, any movement that happens on the camera is going to be reflected in the um, final image. So using that, like I said, that feature on your tripod can sometimes just be a bit of a saving brace. So if you accidentally tap against one of the legs, hopefully that the weight's holding it down securely enough that it hasn't moved and you haven't spoiled your exposure. So a lot of fun, like I said, trying things like long, you know, long exposure photography. It's, a, it's an area which is you, it's available to every person who owns a digital camera, basically, who's got manual control of their camera. You know, if you've got a camera and you can um, tell it how long to, to keep the shutter open for and you can play with the settings, then you've got that whole world of long exposure photography available to you. And like I said, it, it can open up a whole new world of, um, like I said, shooting and possibilities. And like I said, most people will kind of, if they've shot fireworks, they realise that quite often and fireworks become a long exposure phenomena and typically when I'm shooting fireworks this is my kind of go-to camera on the tripod focus locked off picked a focus point locked the focus there camera on full manual um, camera actually on bulb mode and with a wireless trigger triggering the bulb mode and why I do that is that sometimes you know if you dial up say five seconds sometimes five seconds is too long for some very bright fireworks and then sometimes for fireworks that, you know, go up and there's little red and, you know, green spots in the sky and they're not that bright, you might need longer. So typically what I do when I'm shooting fireworks is <coughs> I use bulb mode and I'll actually count my exposures out and then I'll compare them and see if I'm kind of hitting the mark and then if I need to add a little bit of time or subtract a little bit of time, rather than going in and changing the camera, like, going in and ch physically changing the actual shutter speed on the camera, which chances are you're going to maybe potentially move the position of the camera. And sometimes it's good to have the camera when you're shooting something like fireworks locked off in a position where it's replicating the same scene every time because sometimes what you might want to do later on in post is you might want to, you might want to layer in some fireworks. So you might have had some bursts of fireworks off to the left and off to the right and in the middle and then... They weren't always in each frame like that, but then if you've got the camera in locked-off position, it's quite an easy process then to be able to make a composite image by using other frames, especially if they're looking at things. So anything that if it's like a, at a at a carnival and there's a Ferris wheel or some other thing that in you know that's being picked up in the scene, at least in each uh, of the frames, 
the structure of that's going to be in the same spot. And the other interesting thing about even like when you're going to shoot, say, fireworks at a fairgrounds or something like that, before the fireworks starts, there's some great opportunities to catch some really good long exposure images. A lot of carnival rides are very, a lot of lights on them. They spin around, they go up and down, they go all over the place. So quite often shooting um, these carnival rides as long exposures at night, you can produce some really cool results. And I've done some you know, shots of different ones. And, and this is where you can play with the time settings. You'll find that maybe just even a one-second a one second burst will give you a particular effect. And if you shoot, say, five seconds, it'll give you a completely different effect. And you can mix and match and try that. And obviously, the amazing thing about, you know, camera photography at the moment, obviously, in the digital era, is the fact that you can now see your results on the back of the camera. So you can actually see exactly what you've been shooting and you can actually adjust and compensate for anything that is going to miss in your, in your exposure. In this episode, we've been talking about long exposure and it's something I suggest everyone go out and try because it can produce some really interesting and satisfying images. And like I said, everyone has a, you know, if you own a tripod and a camera, you've got the tools basically necessarily to dabble in long exposure photography. You don't need to kind of invest a lot of money. And any basically, you know, any, any entry level DSLR mirrorless camera will give fantastic results in when you're shooting long exposure. Once you understand, I suppose, the fundamentals of, and, you know, it does help, I suppose, for people who are new to photography, it helps to teach you something about the exposure triangle and the relationship between aperture, shutter speed and ISO and how it can have an effect on the, the end result. Obviously, you know, long exposure is typically achieved by having the shutter open for a very long time and typically shooting with, a, with a, an aperture of, like I said, maybe f11 or higher to, to get the results one of the interesting um, I suppose things that you can achieve with long exposure photography is um, a lot of lenses when you shoot around uh, f16 will produce because the the way the um, the iris and the aperture system is the blades in there will actually create a starburst effect and so people quite often see pictures and they'll see the street lights of all like starburst effect or lights on buildings have got this starburst effect and people wonder maybe did someone put a starburst filter on it or did they put a some type of software program they did it in post no you can actually do it in camera so it's actually worth just playing with and just learning about how settings can actually produce these um, results and like I said back in the days of film you know you could actually buy filters which were starburst filters but you put on the front of the camera so you'd actually get this starburst effect you could also get it back in in the day too using you know the, again shooting for very high um like f16 or, or something like that a lot of the lenses but i mean sometimes that you, you didn't need to shoot like that you could use a, a filter to do it so things like in photoshop there's things too where you can actually change the way the light looks and you can add starburst you can add all types of different um, effects with lighting. But, I mean, a lot of people like to learn how to do it in camera. And like I said, even with the basic camera, like a basic DSLR or mirrorless camera, you can actually achieve these things easily in camera once you kind of um, know about it. Lots of really good um, stuff on YouTube if you want to learn more about learning about shooting long exposures. Like I said, it's something I recommend people all go and have a crack at because it's just something, like I said, it can be very satisfying being able to 
Uh, and sometimes think about maybe um, a situation where not normally shot as a long exposure, but it can produce some very different results if there's movement and different things. So sometimes it can be quite pleasing. I've seen some um, really cool pictures of things like a tree and um, you know the tree's got some street lights shining on it and some other maybe advertising lights or whatever shining on it and the background is static and there's a windy night and the tree's actually been moving in and out through the frame and it gives this really cool effect. So sometimes, like I said, shooting trees at night when there's a windy night using long exposure can give you this real ghostly-looking effect around the uh, foliage of the trees. So again, just think about how you can use those long shutter speeds to actually make something very creative and, and something that people may not have seen before. So as always, we love your feedback and if uh, you've enjoyed this episode and um, you know, by all means leave us a comment, we'd love your comments and uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on your favourite um, podcast site. Uh, like I said, we'd love to hear your feedback. If you've got anything to tell us, you can shoot us um, shoot us an email or you can shoot us a, a direct message or jump on one of the other social medias associated with the podcast. This is Steve Finkel for Photo Mission Focus and we've been talking about long exposure photography. Thanks for listening to this episode and we'll talk again soon. See ya. That's all for this episode this week. Thanks for listening. If you have enjoyed the show, please leave us a comment and don't forget to follow us on your favourite podcast app and social media sites. Remember, photography is a pursuit where there's always something new to learn. Safe and happy shooting, everyone.